0: Welcome, welcome to another edition of the Cool Stuff Ride Home podcast. He's Reggie Rizzou, I'm Marcus Paff, and you, well, we're happy to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Let's get to the stuff that hopefully makes your ride home a little bit cooler. Advanced 3D printing leads to the creations of bones, ligaments, and tendons, we'll explain. Google's set to become a meteorologist, and they may just be the most accurate weatherman out there. Plus, get paid to watch those Hallmark holiday specials and the origins of the Guinness World Records book. That's all coming up on another edition of the Cool Stuff Ride Home podcast. Well, For the first time, researchers have succeeded in printing a robotic hand with bones, ligaments, and tendons made of different polymers using a new laser scanning technique. This per a report from Science Daily. The new technology makes it possible to 3D print special plastics with more elastic qualities, opening up new possibilities for the production of soft robotic structures. So what exactly does that mean and why is it significant, you ask? Well, that's a good question. Let's give you some background. 3D printing is advancing rapidly and the range of materials that can be used has expanded considerably in recent years. The technology was previously limited to fast curing plastics, but has now been made suitable for slow curing plastics as well. The latter presents some noteworthy advantages as slow curing plastics possess enhanced elastic properties and are therefore more durable and robust. Now, the use of these materials is made possible by a new technology developed by researchers at ETH Zurich and a US-based startup. As a result, researchers can now 3D print durable, complex robots from a variety of high-end materials in one fell swoop. This new technology also makes it easy to combine soft, elastic, and rigid materials. The researchers can also use it to create delicate structures and parts with cavities as desired. Now, as we said at the top of this story, the researchers have succeeded for the first time in printing a robotic hand with bones, ligaments, and tendons, all made of different polymers in one go, meaning everything was constructed simultaneously rather than assembled separately. Now, Thomas Buchner, a doctor, student in the group at ETH Zurich of robotics professor Robert Cashman, and first author of the study, that would be Buchner, tells Science Daily, quote, we wouldn't have been able to make this hand with the fast curing polyacrylates we've been using in 3D printing so far. We're now using slow curing thialene polymers. These have very good elastic properties and return to their original state much faster after bending than polyacrylates. End quote. This makes thialine polymers ideal for producing the elastic ligaments of the robotic hand. Now, in addition, the stiffness of thialines can be fine-tuned very well to meet the requirements of soft robots. Quote, robots made of soft materials, such as the hand we developed, have advantages over conventional robots made of metal. Because they're soft, there is less risk of injury when they work with humans and they are better suited for handling fragile goods end quote and that comes to us from cashman the professor and overseer of this study reg uh, i think it's fairly obvious that certainly for folks who may require robotic body parts and i can think off the top of my head maybe war veterans who've suffered severe injuries that this could be a huge step forward and then obviously as with any scientific discovery there are ancillary things that you and I probably haven't even thought about yet where this could be applicable.
1: Yeah, although I'm kind of wondering where does this stand on the level of, you know, Captain Hook replacement hand to Million Dollar Man replacement hand? It
0: sounds like more Million Dollar Man if you're printing ligaments and tendons all at the same time. That's some pretty delicate stuff.
1: Yeah, does it have any feeling yet, though? I mean, can they, how much can they move it? I, I, I'd like to see a little more on how much you can move, how much you can grab, you know, anything along those lines? Or is it just light movement, which still would be obviously an advantage if you can even just move it slightly. But I, I want to see where the level is at, because I do always have the future as, as I get older to have, uh, you know, ligaments replaced or body parts replaced on me to become a cyborg. <laughs> I did not realize that was a goal <laughs> of yours. Hey, you got to live forever somehow, right? Well, it may be easier now to figure out what to wear when going outside with Google's DeepMind developing a new weather forecasting model called GraphCast. They claim it surpasses traditional systems 90% of the time. Google said that the machine learning model will have better, faster, and more energy efficient 10-day weather predictions compared to the current weather app tools. In fact, they say GraphCast is a turning point in weather forecasting. Currently, the traditional model for forecasts, the Numerical Weather Prediction, or NWP, involves complex simulations based on fluid dynamics, thermodynamics, and atmospheric sciences. GraphCast will change that up a bit by putting heavier emphasis on historical data, using machine learning to make predictions based on past events. The model it will use starts with the current state of Earth's weather and data from six hours ago, predicting weather six hours into the future, and then keep repeating that process for long-term forecast. Graphcast approach will have fewer and simpler computations compared to the traditional NWP methods. When compared to the European Center for Medium-Range Weather Forecast's gold standard system, called the High-Resolution Forecast Model, which creates a single forecast that provides one possible evolution of weather 10 days out, GraphCast significantly outperformed it on 90% of test targets, according to the study. The study also said that graphcast demonstrated unexpected success in predicting extreme weather events like tropical cyclones and sudden temperature changes despite not being specifically trained for those scenarios however don't think your local weather team is going anywhere anytime soon the goal is to show that the machine learning has potential to enhance and complement existing methods in weather forecasting and that graphcast is a tool that can help improve the accuracy and efficiency for predicting weather and not replace any of the current methods.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting development, Reg. And I think it's fair to say we've all sort of come to expect the unexpected with weather in recent years. So if GraphCast can help determine when some of these things are likely to commence or these more severe weather systems are likely to take place, that could go a really long way in helping folks prepare for that type of stuff. And I'm not saying, you know, that this alone is is set to do that, but it feels like a step forward or at least a step in that direction.
1: Yeah, and that 10-day forecast is always usually so inaccurate. So if we can get a little more accuracy on that, that'd be, that'd be fantastic for planning events and stuff like that. And, you know, you and I, we worked in the same radio station for years, and we had a meteorologist that we would talk to from time to time. This kind of reminds me of the method he used. He told me at one point, that he would look at like six weeks worth of data, look back because usually it kind of repeated itself. So he would use some of that when predicting his weather forecast. So this kind of reminded me of that, but now, you know, it's probably got way more computations than the human brain would be able to figure out. So hopefully be a little more accurate.
0: Well, we're approaching the holidays, of course, and we all know what that means. A lot of movie specials to celebrate the season, some of which it could be argued are a bit cheesy well if you're one of the millions who love these holiday flicks listen up a subscription box company is in search of a holiday movie enthusiast for a unique opportunity to earn two thousand dollars by watching and ranking 12 hallmark christmas movies Bloomsy box the company organizing this opportunity has also promised the selected candidate an abundance of gerardelli hot cocoa and two pairs of fuzzy socks to ensure a warm and comfortable viewing experience. The film fan will be asked to rank each movie by criteria, including festivity factor, predictability quotient, chemistry check, tearjerker test, and replay value. The 12 movies selected for this venture include, and Reggie, stop me if you've heard or know of any of these, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year from 2008, Crown for Christmas from 2015, the nine lives of christmas 2014 christmas getaway from 2017 journey back to christmas 2016 ghosts of christmas always from 2022 family for christmas 2015 christmas under wraps 2014 three wise men and a baby 2022 a royal christmas 2014 north pole also from 2014 and The Christmas Train from 2017. Now, in addition to the $2,000 payment, the chosen candidate will also receive a 12-month flower box subscription. Applications are open through December 3rd. And when I told my wife about this, she was rather excited, Reggie. And frankly, I think she'd seen probably 10 of the 12 that I referenced just a moment ago.
1: As you noticed, I did not stop you. You told me to stop you if i heard of any.
0: I've, I've
1: heard of those words before, but not those movies. The Three Wise Men and a Baby is the one that probably piques me the most because, uh, oh, that one, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I could do this. this I don't this
0: believe is... Tom Selleck's a part of that cast.
1: <laughs> I don't think so. You know, what's also funny about this is I just saw a meme yesterday showing pictures for a lot of these movies. It amazes me how they all look the same. The guy wearing a green shirt or sweater, the girl wearing a red dress or red sweater, behind a Christmas tree, and like all of the pictures look exactly the same for
0: all of these movies. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I gotta believe that's the philosophy of Hallmark. They
1: have a model, it works, you might as well stick with it. Finally, the horror will end, Marcus. You may no longer have to hear people crunching away on chips or snacks while playing video games, or if you're on a video call from work. Wow, the, ho- the horror, Reggie. The horror, indeed. <laughs> Doritos has now developed a crunch cancellation software created by Dylan Fastball. The AI-powered technology will be able to separate the sound of a person's voice from the crunch of a snack. They named the product Doritos Silent, which I have to say is a pretty solid name. You know, you're going silent there. It was developed over the past year and analyzed more than 5,000 crunch sounds. I didn't even know that it was possible to have 5,000 different crunch sounds. Did you, Marcus?
0: No, I had no idea. They all sound the same to me.
1: I guess it makes me wonder too, does each person have a different crunch sound? I, I, I don't know. Once installed, users can turn on the software, which supposedly works with any voice chatting supporting software. The technology was designed to address the distraction caused by the sound of other people eating, especially in gaming situations. It's free to download for PC users uh, at the Doritos website. The link will be in the show notes. A study of 2,000 adults showed that 46% of them disliked the sound of people eating, which I completely agree with. 41% felt self-conscious about making noise while eating. On top of that, out of 2,000 gamers that were surveyed, 29% believe that eating noises affected their gaming
0: performance (laughs) of course it did it seems like a convenient excuse to blame somebody eating chips but i wholeheartedly agree there are few sounds that are more disgusting to me than having to listen to someone who's a loud eater and i will say at a previous stop in life a previous work stop i did have to sit next to someone who regularly brought their lunch to work and it was no secret when lunch rolled around because you could hear every bite from their desk and it drove me insane to the point i had to put my headphones on and just drown the sound out with music
1: every night i have to tell my daughter stop making so much noise while you're eating
0: now, I agree with all of that at, say, the dinner table, work settings. I don't know that I'm all that concerned about whether or not I can hear chips while playing video games, which, frankly, I'm not much of a gamer these days, but I know a lot of people are.
1: Well, see, I, I like to play video games, but I usually don't play them in group settings or, you know, online because I just don't want to deal with other people and their crunching noises or whatever. I mean, I already die enough in a video game. I don't need Bob crunching his chips and
0: getting me killed. We'll see if Doritos can do something about you not having to deal with other people in the near future. (laughs) Thank you, Doritos. A new Guinness World Record was achieved by a 13-year-old girl in San Francisco this week who blended her passion for scuba diving with her love for magic. UPI reports Avery Emerson Fisher, outfitted in scuba gear, performed an impressive 38 magic tricks Within a three-minute time frame while submerged at the Aquarium of the Bay in San Fran, the feat surpassed the previous record of 20 tricks set by British magician Martin Rees in 2020. Notably, Fisher boasts 12 scuba diving certificates and extensive experience with over 30 ocean dives. Expressing her aspirations, she hopes that her Guinness World Record will not only spotlight ocean conservation, but also serve as an inspiration for more individuals to embrace scuba diving. Now this story got me thinking about the Guinness Book of World Records and its origins. We see and hear about all kinds of random things in the book these days, so what led to its inception? Well, the origin story was told for the first time in the 31st edition of the Guinness World Record book, released in October 1984. Whether this story is entirely factual or not is up for debate, but the tale goes like this. In November of 1951, Sir Hugh Beaver was on a hunting expedition on Slob Hill near the River Slaney in County Wexford, Ireland. It already sounds like something out of a fairy tale. The hunting group apparently misfired on some golden plovers. I had to look this up. It's a type of game bird, which led to a debate amongst the party over which was the fastest bird in Europe. So this all
1: makes it sound sound up to me.
0: <laughs> all sounds fake. <laughs> <laughs> well, the group came to realize there was no way to verify whether the Golden Plover held the title of Europe's fastest game bird, a far cry from today when all we do is head straight to our phones for the answer, and assumed similar questions were likely debated in pubs across Britain and Ireland. But of course, there were no books available to settle such arguments. So, Sir Hugh also happened to be the managing director of Guinness Breweries, go figure, and on September 12, 1954, he reached out to Norris and Ross McWherter to determine whether their fact and figure agency in London, real thing apparently, could assist in answering his question. For more context, the 39th edition of the book, released in 1992, describes the event like this, quote, on the 12th of september 1954 norris and ross McWhorter, then running a fact-finding agency in london were invited to the guinness brewery at park royal in northwest london to discuss the proposition that a collection of records should be published and they so impressed the guinness board that they were immediately commissioned to follow it through end quote an office was subsequently established at 107 fleet street and intensive work commenced on the inaugural 198-page edition. The first copy was bound by the printers on August 27th of 1955, and the Guinness Book achieved the remarkable feat of securing the top spot on the bestsellers list. Because the book was such a hit, the McWorders opted to make one revision per year and continued to compile the text for years to come. Now, of course, today, the tradition lives on. And there are a number of bizarre records out there, many of which I sincerely doubt the McWorders anticipated would end up in their book one day. For example, Reggie, most Rubik's cubes solved while on a skateboard. Totally necessary to know. Absolutely. Uh, most blindfolded backwards standing somersaults in one minute. Got to have okay, that, that one, one in there.
1: That one's got my attention a little bit. I'll, I'll give you that. I want to know.
0: How about this? Most toothpicks in a beard. I don't know how you prove that.
1: There's a lot of men with big beards out there that probably have lost a lot of toothpicks.
0: Well, they had to stick the toothpicks in. (laughs) I saw a photo of this one, actually, uh, as I was doing the research. 3,500, by the way, is the record. 3,500 toothpicks in one man's beard at a single time. Uh, Most tricks performed by a pig in one minute. That record stood or stands at 13 And the highest jump on a pogo stick, I bring this up because I am actually impressed by the answer, 11.15 feet on a pogo stick, which is a foot above the rim of a basketball hoop, if you can believe that. That's pretty frightening.
1: That would scare me going down, yeah. And as for the original part of the story, the 13-year-old girl with the magic tricks... That's impressive to me because I don't think I could even walk without tripping at the age of 13. (laughs) To to be able to do multiple things like this at the same time, I'm impressed. Taking a look back at this date in 2019, we had the very first person known to contract COVID-19. It was a 55-year-old man from the Hubei province where the virus was first recorded. Despite cases of the virus being found as early as this, the Chinese government didn't recognize it as a new virus until weeks later. And I think we all know what happened from that point on. So I, I don't think we need to go in too much more detail about COVID-19. However, for those of you who didn't know, COVID-19 is what actually led to the beginning of this podcast, as it actually started as a daily COVID update podcast.
0: Yes, I was aware of that, Reggie. Thanks, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that'll do it for another edition of the Cool Stuff Ride Home podcast. Assuming Reggie's still willing to talk to me next week, we'll be back on Monday with all the fun stories. Have a great weekend.